Park Hopping Podcast number 57, Cartoon Spin. Celebrating 11 years of posting Disney stuff on the internet. This is another crappy podcast production. Hi there again, this is Alan from DisneyFans.com, and this is the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 57, the podcast that proves anyone can have their own podcast. Previously on the Park Hopping Podcast, I slipped in an audio ride-through from Disneyland's Toontown attraction, Roger Rabbit's cartoon Spin, but only after a long ramble on being an obsessed Disney fanatic. Today I'm going to try to return to one of the most commented on features of this podcast, and we'll go on a narrated ride on the same attraction. So if it's not something you look forward to, feel free to fast forward through it, and we'll catch you next time. For those of you sticking around, here's a couple of quick notes. I have reposted all of the Park Hopping Podcast shows from 2007 to correct an audio issue that Paul at Window to the Magic reported. Thanks, Paul. As you may know, I've been uh, doing digital recordings in the park since 1999 and my audio is done at a, uh, a rate higher than CDs actually I was forgetting to convert that audio down before bringing it into my editing program and this caused the playback to be a bit slower than it should. Now I didn't notice but the Disney sounds guy Paul sure did. So I reposted all the files and um, they're going to actually appear a little shorter than the original versions um, but the audio should be right and while I was at it I dropped the quality of the mp3 files down a bit which will make downloads go a little faster and um, they'll still be at a higher quality than all the sh shows I was posting earlier. I'm kind of actually back to the format I used when the show was first launched in August of 2005. Of course, that has nothing to do with Toontown, but this will. Now, Disneyland originally opened with just four lands. There was Frontierland, Adventureland, Fantasyland, and Tomorrowland. See, it's like a trick thing. And, of course, there was Main Street USA. Now, I know that the TV show Disneyland, hosted by Walt Disney, featured segments that were based around these different lands. But I don't recall if there was ever one based on Main Street USA. From time to time, some of my fellow obsessed Disney fans will debate over whether or not Main Street counts as a land. I mean, sure, it's got, there's an animatronic attraction uh, at Disneyland's Main Street that's great moments with Mr. Lincoln, and you maybe could count the Main Street cinema as a show of some sort, but in Florida, Main Street has neither. It's just shops and places to get food. Now, the cinema there got turned into a gift shop years ago, and the Walt Disney story hasn't played there in ages. So if you want to share your opinions on this about whether or not you think Main Street USA counts as a land... Leave me a message by calling 206-2030-227 or send me an email, podcast at DisneyFans.com. But I digress, and I blame it on gremlins. Today we'll focus on the newest land at the original Magic Kingdom. That's Toontown. Now, as Disneyland grew and expanded, we saw the addition of New Orleans Square in uh, the 1960s. Um, this was an entirely new land that didn't connect to the hub. You could access it only by going through Adventureland or Frontierland. In the early 1970s, the Country Bear Jamboree was added and it was installed in its very own new land called Bear Country. You accessed Bear Country by going through Adventureland or New Orleans Square or by going through Frontierland and New Orleans Square. Something like that. In the 1980s, Disneyland decided just to remodel a fantasy land rather than open up an entirely new area, but the changes were still pretty substantial and they moved a lot of things around and we got some new rides out of it. The 1990s saw some major expansion with the opening of an entirely new land called Toontown and uh, the re-engineering of the new Tomorrowland 
into the new New Tomorrowland. Now, of course, you probably have to be a real Disney dweeb to know that there was an original Tomorrowland in the 50s that was updated and called New Tomorrowland, which uh, opened in 1966. So although the Disney PR people referred to the 1998 update as the New Tomorrowland, we know better. And like so many things we know, it doesn't really matter. Toontown, however, did matter. For a landlocked park the size of Disneyland, finding room for any new expansion was a challenge. When the park opened in 1955, there was still some room to grow, but but not a lot. Um, any room that was not owned by Disney outside the park was qu- quickly claimed and developed by outsiders who wanted to open up, mo- you know, they wanted to open motels and shops and restaurants. And Toontown was actually going to be built. Um, outside of the railroad berm beyond It's a Small World, kind of like they'd built certain rides outside of the railroad track, you know, years earlier with Pirates of the Caribbean and Indiana Jones, things like that. So this became the third new land that couldn't be reached from the hub without going through other areas of the park. And it was also another dead-end land, much like Bear Country, which got renamed to Critter Country in the late 1980s when Splash Mountain was built. It's a story for another time. Now, does this kind of feel like a history lecture to anyone? Why is it that folks like me who couldn't remember a date in history class in college can easily remember what year the Haunted Mansion or Pirates of the Caribbean opened? Hey, talk about being a fanboy. Anyway, Toontown, or Mickey's Toontown as its official name is known, uh, would feature several new rides and attractions. There'd be the Gadgets Go Coaster, a small child-friendly roller coaster themed from the Rescue Rangers cartoon series, which I'm a little too old to remember, unfortunately. There was also the Jolly Trolley, a rather pointless transportation vehicle for the small area, but it was notable because it had a warped track that kind of went in and out, and a cartoon-like gyrations that it made as it slowly moved through the area with a giant wind-up key coming out of it. Um, So it was was more for show than anything practical. And lastly, there'd be a brand-new dark ride, Roger Rabbit's Cartoon Spin, which was based on the Who Framed Roger Rabbit movie from five or so years earlier. Now, Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom also has a Toontown, a Mickey's Toontown Fair, but that's not what it was meant to be. This area originally opened as a temporary place for Mickey's birthday, then later became Mickey's Starland and eventually the Toontown Fair thing. It's nothing like the one in California, except that it does have some buildings that are similar, and there's a goofy roller coaster of a similar style to the Gadget Coaster out west. Now, the Florida Toontown is more of a place you go in and there's some scenes to see and some shops and places to meet characters. But the California Toontown is a fully immersive environment designed to feel like a cartoon universe where all the tunes reside. So there's uh, Mickey's house and Minnie's house, they have those in Florida, you know, and Donald's boat, as well as some other children play areas that have changed or been closed down over the years. But the whole land is, is really a detailed place. It's also full of little things that you can push and pull or listen to. Uh, you can stand on a manhole cover and hear something down below, or you can ring a doorbell, try to open certain doors, open mailboxes, or pick up a tune phone. If you remember the old Roger Rabbit area at the exit of the old Disney MGM Studios backlot tour, you'll get a loose idea of the environment. Now, Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin started with the Imagineers wondering if you could take something like the Alice in Wonderland Mad Tea Party cups and put them on a dark ride track so the guests could spin. Early experiments were actually done with one of the teacups attached to a ride vehicle that they ran through. I think it was like Pinocchio or something. It's one of the Disneyland dark rides. I'd look it up, but hey, you know, you, you've got Google too, and what's a history lecture without research homework, right? So designing this ride where the guests could, could turn the vehicle anywhere they want meant 
creating a dark ride where the riders could be looking in any direction. Now, things like pirates did let the riders look all around them, but typically the guests would never get to see what was behind them. They were facing forward, looking at the show scenes passing in front of them. The mansion's doom buggies forced viewers to look at specific areas as it turned, um, and traditional dark rides would weave through a scene pointing the riders to whatever the Imagineers thought they should be looking at. But once you give the rider control of where they point, or spin, and you just want to spin it wildly and make everybody on the car sick, uh, you have to build a ride with detail on all four walls, not just the sides and the fronts. And there's really nothing else like it here in the U.S., although Tokyo Disneyland has their own version of Toontown with a Roger Rabbit ride that opened about a year later. Now, one of the most impressive things about this ride to me is the queue. Much like Pirates in Florida or Indiana Jones in California, the queue is massive and seems to defy spatial physics. Now, in Florida, you know they have tons of space. But at Disneyland, when, when they, they find a way to stick a three-mile indoor line and a ride somewhere new, that's a pretty good accomplishment. The queue winds through the dark back alleys of the seedier side of Toontown. It, it seems that outside the daylight Toontown is where all the happy Disney characters live, but inside the Roger Rabbit queue is where all the darker Roger Rabbit universe characters live. You, you even get to see a few of them. You can look through a window and see Baby Herman reading a newspaper and smoking a cigar while the radio plays. Uh, you can walk under a window where you see the uh, shadow of the weasels passing by and hear them talking. You can even find Jessica Rabbit making an appearance in the queue. It's, it's a very, very big queue. And dark. Uh, but it is air-conditioned. Now, FastPass, unfortunately, bypasses the elaborate part of the queue, so I fear that there may well be people who've only visited in recent years and have never experienced the full amazing line. Well, at least there's an amazing ride to make up for it, but they might not understand all the dip stuff, because you see a lot of that in the line, and uh, you know what dip is, right? We'll get to that in a moment. So let's walk through the queue a bit, and we're going to take a ride in Lenny the Cab. Uh, that's, uh, I guess, Benny's manager. Benny was the name of the cab in the movie. Uh, his manager wouldn't allow his likeness to be used in the Disney attraction or something. And in case you haven't seen, the movie dip is bad. It's like paint thinner and it dissolves tunes. So basically, that's our deal. We're going on a wild ride through the Toon universe, trying to avoid the bad guys and not be dipped. Pretty much your standard Disney dark ride stuff. Okay, let's take a trip through Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin. As we enter in and start going through the indoor line, it's kind of like a theater company. We can see Jessica Rabbit's door, and she'll kind of pass by in silhouette form. We can see a listing of what shows are happening where. There's a prop cage with all kinds of cartoon props and anvils. There's some backgrounds that are currently being partially painted with large paint brushes. We can look through the window and see Baby Herman holding a cigar in one hand as he's listening to the radio. He's got a Jessica Rabbit pinup calendar on the wall, very similar to a, uh, looks kind of like a Playboy-type calendar there. We walk down through the uh, alleyways of the streets, lots of fake doors and stairways, and above one of the arches we go under, we see another window where the silhouettes of the weasels go walking by. We get a little bit further, we can actually look into a street scene in the ride, and as we look through the window, we can see the... Uh, the taxi cab buggies with their light-up headlights going through the ride and spinning with people in them and all kinds of black-lit props around them. Now, eventually we get to the loading area and we can look up ahead and see people getting into the ride vehicles. There are two cars hooked together. They look like yellow taxi cabs with, um, you know, their cartoon shapes, so they've got a face and eyes on the front. And two people sit in the front, two people sit in the back, and each one spins independently with a steering wheel that spins like a teacup. 
As we get into our own vehicle, we notice that there's a door on the side now and some other things that were added a few years ago after an accident. So they've kind of improved um, the bodies of the car and put the doors on so people can't accidentally fall out. When our traffic light turns green, we head into the ride, and one of the first things we see is a little prop of Roger Rabbit in a similar car spinning around with the weasels pouring dip around him, kind of give us an indication that we'll be able to spin. We see Jessica Rabbit being loaded into the back of the car by the weasels. We crash through a wall, and we're in a fancy china shop. It is the Bolina china shop, and we see Bolina, the large bull, balancing all kinds of crates as we smash through more doors. We enter a street scene with traffic lights and... Uh, yeah, fire hydrants and signs everywhere. We're kind of going through the street section of Toontown now, smashing through more doors, and we enter into the power company. We see lots of circular uh, visual effects that look like power cables and light and, and, and uh, electricity, similar to some of the effects you'll find at Epcot at Spaceship Earth near the, uh, the, tran the, the very end scene where all the lights are zipping by. Things that look like generators, giant machines that are big faces with teeth as we go through the doorway. We go through another scene, and we're near the heart of the machine, and we see Roger Rabbit up in the distance. And then he gets electrocuted, and his, uh, we can see the projection of his bones light up. And then an explosion. We're going past flats as the strobe lights go off, and we see explosions and clouds. And finally, we're spiraling through a big tunnel as things rotate all around us, stars and, and swirls and, and things as if we're plummeting down. Another door opens, and now we're going down towards the ground like we're falling out of a building. All around us are uh, paintings of buildings as if we're falling downwards, and the bottom opens up another one of the doors, and you see kind of an M.C. Escher room with stairways going in all directions, with Roger Rabbit actually standing on the wall, but it looks like he's standing on stairs. We enter this crazy warehouse scene with those little punch bag things you used to have as kids rocking back and forth, shoes that are dancing by themselves. There's a calliope playing with musical notes projected floating up the wall behind it. A lot of little animated props similar to things we might see in the Pleasure Island sequence of Pinocchio. Big crates open up with hands with pies on them. We see the, the uh, weasels trying to lower gates around us, very similar to things used in the Pinocchio ride. We go through some of the darker areas, past more props, and uh, we see a lot of crates and boxes around us, uh, fireworks that are going off in boxes. We see Jessica Rabbit, who's knocked out one of the weasels who has stars spinning around the bump on his head. We see other ones um, dangling from ropes and a giant pink elephant suspended above us as we go by. Explosions are going off, a very crazy scene. And in front of us, we see one of the weasels with a dipmobile, and he's squirting off to the side, and he points in front of us to squirt us. Of course, we turn right, and we don't see it. We're going to a dead end, and Roger Rabbit is holding what looks like a giant black hole that his arm stretches out, attaches it to the wall. We turn to the left into the hole, and then we see the the end graphics, and the ride is over. Now, I will have to say this ride makes very good use of limited space. A lot of these rooms have mirrors on all the sides, so it makes them look physically larger than they really are. And there are some very, very good special effects. For instance, at the very end when we see Roger Rabbit with the portable hole, again, mirrors are used, so it looks like you're looking behind and through the hole, so it's a flat like a round circular uh, well, hole that he attaches to the wall. A lot of things like that they do, which, um, again, that's kind of the stuff that Disney is known for, doing things that make you write it and go, wow, how'd they do that? Let's go write it again. 
Well, welcome back, and if you got any dip on you, I'm sure it'll wash right out. Now, Roger Rabbit is one of those great attractions that probably won't ever make it to the East Coast because of licensing issues, and that's unfortunate. There, there were plans for the Disney MGM Studios way back when to have a fully realized Muppet area and or a fully realized Toon area based on Roger Rabbit, which would have included a version of the cartoon spin as well as some kind of bus simulator ride. Now, if you do some digging through the old JimHillMedia.com archives, you can actually find parts of the story along with pictures of concept art for what neat things we could have had in Florida if the Disney decade had panned out. And I'm kind of sad it didn't happen because knowing how good they got the very first version would have been neat to see what version 2 would have been like. Ah well, on that note I think that'll do it for me this time, so be sure to visit DisneyFans.com where you can browse around 45,000 digital pictures I've taken at Disneyland, Disney World, and other theme parks across the country, as well as dozens of downloadable video files from the Disney parks, including the video to Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin. And I've recently updated my Disney World gallery, adding a few thousand new photos, um, and I've also added my first gallery of pictures from SeaWorld Orlando if you're interested in that kind of thing. Uh, Drop by and check it out. Nothing's more fun than watching some stranger's vacation home videos, except maybe flipping through their photo album. And if you want to drop me a note, my email address is podcast at disneyfans.com, or if you'd rather use the telephone, you can dial 206-2030-ACP, that's for another crappy podcast, again, 206-2030-227, and leave me a voicemail. This has been the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 57, Cartoon Spin. Thanks for listening. Another Crappy Podcast production. Be sure to visit anothercrappypodcast.com to learn more about this and other equally exciting <sighs> podcasts. Mm.